0: Welcome to the White Spring Bunker. These halls were built to safeguard some of the most prestigious members of the United States government. We are MODIS, and we are always looking for men and women capable of helping us restore what has been lost. In return, we offer this, a new enclave and our refuge from the world above. Please, Take your time and look around. The Colonel has made great strides restoring this place to its former glory. Welcome, member,
1: to our little enclave. Greetings, members. As always, I am the Operative, your designated tour guide and host here at the White Spring. The Overseer's plan to distribute the scorch vaccine across Appalachia is nearing completion. The factions converge on the Kanawa Nucacola cola manufacturing plant, where we ask the age-old question, what happens when the unstoppable force meets the immovable object? And Major Lilith continues to assemble her team for Operation Werewolf to wage her own private and very dirty war against the Blood Eagles. This episode contains content which some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Overseer. Yesterday? We just received signal from the Whitespring. They want to know when to expect us at the plant.
2: Tell them we'll be there in four days. Are the other arrangements complete? Of course, Overseer. Good. Let me get you another piece of that mute fruit pie. There you go. Now, tell me again exactly what you saw at Foundation.
1: The old Kanawa Nuka-Cola plant rose out of the morning mist. The large sign and prop Nuka-Cola bottles had weathered the past 25 years in reasonable condition, and still advertised the best-selling beverage product in history. Drinkable Nuka-Colas could be found all over Appalachia, and probably the whole world, and was still a favorite of survivors everywhere. Its very ubiquity was the primary reason that the new economy, such as it was, was currently run on Nuka-Cola bottle caps. The overseer of Vault 76 stood outside the plant, her Chief Lieutenant Day by her side, waiting for their escort into the facility. After receiving word that both the settlers and the raiders had agreed to participate, she had, at first, been elated. Despite her reservations about working with Valeria, everything was going according to the plan she started laying out months before, when she first realized newcomers were returning to the region. That was until Day took her aside, and told her about how, exactly, they'd convinced the settlers to join in their little endeavor. He didn't have any proof of how Valeria had made the holiday. But he did have his intuition. The Overseer had also uncovered some of the activities of the original enclave during her travels, the atrocities they were responsible for in Appalachia. Unfortunately, it appeared that this new enclave wasn't much different from the old.
2: Sometimes you have to make a deal with the devil.
1: What was that Overseer?
2: Oh, just the ramblings of an old woman. Just keep your eyes open, Day. The future of the region is riding on what we do here
1: today. Unfortunately, only this new enclave had the technical expertise and equipment to complete the inoculation, which meant working with Valeria, whether the overseer liked it or not. So when they had received word that the Nuca plant had been secured and the resources moved to the facility, she and Day had made the trip down from Sutton to get the final process initiated and start delivering the vaccine to all corners of Appalachia. As the two stood in front of the facility, they could see heavily armed soldiers, members of Valeria's new enclave, patrolling the rooftops.
2: Hey! Hey, uh, Overseer. Oh, hello, Travis. It's been forever. How have you been?
0: It's been good, Overseer. Recently just got
2: promoted. You always show great promise, Travis. Or should I say Lieutenant?
0: Ah, oh, shucks, Overseer. It's always just Travis to you. They are, uh, finishing up a few things inside. I was told to tell you that someone will be out shortly to escort you in.
2: Thank you, Travis.
1: The Overseer had hoped that her position, and the fact that she knew most of these people from the Vault, would make the process easier, more transparent, and also reduce the risk of anything bad happening to either of them.
0: I have a bad feeling about this.
2: Relax, at least a little, Day. If they wanted to do anything to us, they could have done so at any time over the past few weeks.
1: I still think we should have brought a team from Sutton.
2: We talked about this already, Day. The less our people are involved, the better.
1: Day checked his 10mm pistol to ensure that it was fully loaded, just in case, and slid it back into his shoulder holster. The double doors at the building entrance swung open, held by two grim-faced New Enclave soldiers. What came next surprised both Day and the Overseer, leaving their jaws on the floor. A figure, wearing a red-fringed nurse's outfit and hat, with a plague doctor mask, danced through the door and down the stairs, stopping a few feet in front of them. She bowed gracefully, then took off her mask and smiled. Oh no... Day hissed and pulled his pistol out, pointing it directly at the nurse, while taking a step to put himself in front of the overseer. The nurse frowned and pouted.
3: Well, that's not very neighborly of you. And overseer, you're not happy to see me?
1: The overseer looked over Day's shoulder in disgust.
2: Lilith, I heard you are up at the crater. Didn't expect to see you here.
3: My, my, my. You know I'd never miss a chance to see my favorite Overseer again.
2: I mean, it has been quite some time since we last spoke. You mean after you killed your parents? Oh, I figured that out, along with a good guess as to what else you've been up to. I should have had security deal with you before Reclamation Day.
1: Day flipped off the safety.
0: Overseer, we should leave.
3: Oh, Pooh, you guys are no fun at all. Val has insisted that I be on my best behavior, and, as much as that pains me, I'm just here to bring you inside.
1: Fuck you. We're not going anywhere with you. Well, let's just raise your hands.
3: Oh, come now. I'm unarmed. And look, there are plenty of witnesses about. Despite everything, you've still got quite the reputation, Overseer.
1: Lieutenant Travis appeared at the top of the stairs. Major, the colonel wants to know what the delay is.
3: It's nothing, Lieutenant. I was just having a conversation with our guests. I won't lie. I would prefer to kill you where you stand. Or better yet, get you alone so we can have some real fun. But not today. Would it help if I said please...
1: The overseer pushed Day out of the way, walking past both he and Lilith, up the stairs into the factory. Day and Lilith looked at each other one more time, before Day flipped the safety back on and holstered his pistol. Lilith stuck out her tongue and turned to follow the overseer into the building, with Day following close behind. The lobby showed signs of a recent firefight. The bodies of several dead ghouls were stacked in the corner, awaiting disposal. Lilith caught up and side by side with Lieutenant Travis, escorted their guests through the first floor reception area up into the Nuka-Cola R&D facility on the second floor.
0: Would you look at that.
1: Hanging from the rafters was a large flag, a representation of Valeria's new enclave, the Overseer assumed. It consisted of an E on a deep blue star surrounded by a ring of stars and the old vault emblem. Well, impressive, it also sent a chill down the Overseer's spine.
4: Overseer, it's so good to see you again.
1: All eyes turned to the top of the stairs. Colonel Valerius stood with her hands on the railing, overlooking the lobby. Unlike their previous meeting, Valeria cut an imposing figure in her full-dress uniform, and with the light filtering through the lobby, it glinted off her silver eye. She still wore her military cap, but her bluish-green tunic had the bars of a colonel on the lapels, and the new Enclave emblem on each sleeve. Behind her, within the research lab, the overseer could see multiple scientists moving between the various pieces of equipment, The Overseer forced a smile and walked up the stairs to Valeria.
2: I see you've gotten started already.
4: Clearing the facility wasn't easy, Overseer. There were far more feral ghouls here than we anticipated. I'm surprised you didn't warn us ahead of time. We suffered losses.
1: It's not like you asked. The Overseer looked over her shoulder and gave him a look, and Day quieted down.
2: Well, Valeria, I stopped by here a while back and wasn't able to take the full tour. But I was able to confirm that everything we need is here.
1: Valeria led them into the R&D facility, back to where several New Enclave and former Vault 76 scientists were manning the equipment.
4: My people confirm they have what they need. Well, mostly what they need. It seems like a few lines of instruction were left out. Or deleted. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you,
1: Overseer? All eyes in the room turned to the Overseer, who had the slightest hint of a smile on her face.
2: Let me speak to your team, and we'll get the rest of the process sorted out. Shouldn't take too much longer, I promise.
1: Frowning, Valeria waved her off and motioned for Lilith to come over. As the Overseer huddled with the scientific team over the terminals, Valeria sat down in a chair in the corner. As Lilith leaned over, speaking into her ear, her eyes moving from day to the Overseer, and back again. After about twenty minutes, the Overseer stood up.
2: That should do it.
1: Valeria looked at her team, who also nodded their approval.
2: But we do need to collect a final sample from an already inoculated individual.
1: Lilith started jumping up and down, raising her hand.
4: No, Lilith. Not you. Oh
3: Val, you never let me have any fun!
1: If looks could kill, Lilith would have dropped dead on the floor, right there and then.
4: Actually, if anyone is going to do it, it will be me. I won't ask my people to do something I'm not prepared to do myself.
1: Despite her misgivings, the Overseer was impressed that Valeria volunteered. She found it hard to reconcile the two sides of the young woman, a willingness to sacrifice, and yet also a willingness to commit atrocities to get what she wanted.
2: Okay, you'll need to step into the auto-dock. It's already been programmed to extract the appropriate samples. It may hurt, just fair warning.
1: Valeria nodded and stood up. She removed her cap and military tunic, placing them on a side table. Walking into the auto-dock, the doors closed behind her as the machine started the retrieval process. Long needles inserted themselves into Valeria's neck and arms, drawing blood samples from multiple veins. While she grimaced, she also stayed nearly perfectly still as the process was completed. It took more than ten minutes before the needles were retracted and the doors slid open. The colonel took one step out of the auto-dock, then almost fell down. Lilith was there to catch her and help her back to her chair. The overseer looked concerned, but had to turn her attention back to the gathered scientists reviewed the data and then gave the thumbs up that the Matrix had been accepted. The head New Enclave scientist came up to the colonel. Ma'am, everything checks out. The equipment downstairs is prepped and we should be able to begin production shortly. Valeria slipped on her tunic and placed her cap back on her head before waving off the scientific team.
4: If there's nothing else, you can all head downstairs with Team Sigma and oversee the production. Let me know as soon as the first batch is ready.
1: The scientists filed out of the room, each one going over and thanking the Overseer or just shaking her hand before leaving. Once they had gone, the Overseer and Day turned to leave as well. Day never saw Lilith grab the baseball bat propped up against the table as she struck him across the back, (coughs) knocking him onto the floor. The Overseer turned to see Day sprawled out with Lilith standing over him, the battle cradled on her shoulder and giggling. Valeria leaned back in her chair, wincing a little, but burned her gaze directly into the Overseer.
4: Now, I think we've got it from here. And I believe we do have a lot to discuss. But not here, Overseer, nor in Sutton. I think you'd be much more comfortable and safer back at the Whitespring.
2: We had an agreement, Valeria.
4: Why, yes, we did. And as far as I'm aware, we've fulfilled our end of the
1: bargain. Day, though days, tried to get up. Lilith put the bat back into the center of his back and pushed him onto (laughs) the floor, holding him there.
3: Oh, no, don't get up.
2: I insist.
1: Lilith licked her lips and smiled.
2: I can't say I'm surprised. When Day told me about the holotape Cindy showed Foundation, I suspected what you'd done. What was it that your parents used to say? The ends justify the means?
4: Yes, they did. And they do. We take the world as it is, Overseer, not how we want it to be. If we want to rebuild, we have to make hard choices. You, of all people, and Vault-Tec, should know that.
1: Valeria looked over at Lilith and nodded. Lilith raised the bat over her head and with a wicked grin began to bring it down on Day's head. Wait! The Overseer pulled a device from her jacket with a blinking red light on it. The bat stopped just inches from Day's head.
4: Wait for what? We already know how this is going to end.
2: I think you'll be sorely disappointed. You see, I still know more about the secrets of Appalachia than you do. What else do you think I was doing all those months traveling around the region after a reclamation day?
3: Blah, blah, blah. Val, this is getting boring. Let me kill him, please. Then the Overseer
2: and I can... talk.
1: The Overseer brandished her device at Lilith.
2: You'll do no such thing, you vile child. Unless you want to end up as a cloud of radioactive dust.
4: What did you do, Overseer?
2: Did you think that getting into those missile silos was solely about making sure they weren't used? I collected a bit of insurance before you attempted to shut down the silos, and Day helped make sure it got where it needed to be. Underneath this facility, encased in a tamper-proof case, is a 20 kiloton nuclear warhead. Not large enough to do lasting damage to the region, but more than enough to vaporize this facility, the vaccine, And, of course, everyone within a two-mile radius. And my finger is currently on the trigger to detonate it. More importantly, this isn't the only trigger. There are others in the hands of trusted associates of mine who won't hesitate to detonate the warhead should anything happen to me or Day here.
1: The Overseer waved her hand around the room and then focused back on Valeria.
4: You wouldn't dare. You'd doom Appalachia out of what? Spite?
2: Not spite... But a necessary evil. I have no doubt that you'd use the vaccine as a weapon and a means of control. I have to ensure that it gets to everyone who needs it. To make sure that happens, I am willing to do whatever it takes. And if I can't guarantee that, then I can at least be absolutely certain that your plans for Appalachia end here and now."
1: Valeria put her hand under her chin and stared at the Overseer. She analyzed the situation like she had been taught running through the various scenarios in her mind. Larry had doubted the Overseer was bluffing. She had always been insufferably optimistic and dedicated to her own cause, though she noted that the Overseer sacrificing her own life was apparently not included in whatever it takes. Her father had used the expression, when the immovable object meets the unstoppable force, and now she understood exactly what he meant. The silent confrontation stretched on for several minutes. It was finally broken by the chirp of the intercom.
5: Colonel first batch of the vaccine has been completed. Would you like
4: to come and take a look?
1: Valeria sighed and stood up, reaching down to button up her tunic. She leaned over to key the intercom. We'll
4: be right down. Start prepping the rest and be ready to package for delivery. I see that I've underestimated you, Overseer. That won't happen again. Lilith, let him go. You can't be serious, Val. Just let me kill them. She's full of shit. Maybe, but we can't afford to take that chance. Overseer, don't you dare think this is over. The new Enclave has plans for Appalachia. You can have your vaccine, and we both win when this plague is eradicated. But if you get in my way again, you will not like the results.
1: Lilith was furious. She raised the bat again with the intent on at least splattering Day's brains all over the floor. The Overseer thought she'd actually have to push the button, watching in horror as Lilith prepared to kill her friend. A gunshot echoed across the room as the handle of Lilith's bat exploded in the of splinters. They both turned to Valeria, standing with one hand on the table and the other holding a smoking ten-millimeter pistol. That's enough, Lilith. Lilith growled and threw the broken bat on the ground.
4: How dare you! That's an order, Lilith.
1: Lilith looked ready to pounce then turned and stormed out of the room.
4: Overseer, get your man off the floor and get out of here, especially before Lilith decides to come back. I'm aware you have a contract with the Blue Ridge Caravan just like we do. You can have them come for their deliveries whenever you'd like.
1: The Overseer put the detonator back in her vest and grabbed Dave by the arm, lifting him to his feet. He was also fuming and tried to reach for his own weapon before the Overseer stopped him, putting her arm around his shoulders and whispering into his ear. Lieutenant Travis burst into the room, with a rifle at the ready.
0: Colonel, we heard a gunshot. The major just
4: destroyed part of the lobby. Are you okay? Fine, Lieutenant. Nothing to worry about. Please escort our guests down to the production floor so they can view the inoculation. Once they have seen it, get them out of our facility. I'll be right behind you.
1: Before the Overseer left, she turned back around and looked at Valeria.
2: Be careful, Valeria. There are still plenty of secrets buried deep in Appalachia. Tread lightly.
1: Valeria wanted nothing more than to put a bullet through her skull, but this was neither the time nor the place. It was a shame. She'd had such plans for getting the Overseer back to the bunker. They had ways of making her more malleable with some of the pre-war tech they'd uncovered at Sugar Grove. Sitting back down in the chair after visitors had left, Valeria knew she'd need to rethink her next moves. It almost didn't matter if the nuke existed or not, the Overseer was clever enough to have pulled it off, and she wasn't going to gamble with the future of the new Enclave against a made Hand. However, she was going to speak to Modus. Perhaps there were still options on the table to render the Overseer's threat moot. First, however, she'd have to go downstairs and see for herself what this new inoculation looked like. She already had growing concerns about her decision to let Lilith name the new brew without oversight, and of course she'd need to get Lilith back on the straight and narrow again. Valeria knew how much she had been looking forward to a very long and arduous session with Day, which meant she'd be taking her frustrations out on someone or something else. Well, she'd deal with that when she got back to Whitespring, but now she needed to go downstairs and see what Frankenstein creation they'd made using her blood. Valeria rubbed her eyes, straightened her cap, and smoothed out her tunic. It wouldn't do for the field commander of the new Enclave to appear anything less than in charge on such a momentous occasion. When she finally made it down to the production facility, her research team was clustered around a giant fabricator. She could see bottles coming in one side and boxes spitting out the other. Larry could see some puzzled faces after they opened one of the boxes, looking at the bottles within. Valeria walked over, waving off the salutes of Team Sigma, and took a bottle from the box. It was a standard Nuca cola bottle with a bright red label. When she turned it around, she was presented with the name of the Scorched Plague Inoculation. Nuka-Cola. My blood's in it.
4: That would be why she volunteered. Well, at least it will be unforgettable.
3: Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and Sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now.
1: General Valeria had returned to the White Spring to brief Modus and Stein on what had occurred with the Overseer. Unlike previous setbacks, which had shaken Valeria's confidence, she had taken this one in stride. She and Stein had a long discussion about the Overseer over dinner with the assistance of Modus to ensure that they would have the upper hand next time. Afterwards, Valeria discovered that Lilith hadn't returned to the bunker as she had been ordered. In fact, no one had heard from her after leaving the Coca cola plant in a rage. Valeria had been forced to contact Sullivan to find out where Lilith had gone Whenever Lilith grew frustrated or, heaven forbid, got angry, she took it out on the local raiders, which was confirmed by Sullivan. He'd been a little shaken on the combling, only saying that even knowing her reputation, Lilith was on the warpath. Lilith had led her team to a small blood eagle encampment, not too far from the White Springs, but isolated, just as she liked it, whenever she decided to get dirty. Valeria couldn't afford to have her top operative go rogue, especially when new enclave plans were in motion. And they still had to get the scorch inoculation to both the settlers at Foundation and the raiders up at Crater. She approached the raider camp. She could see smoke rising from the makeshift buildings. Lilith's hired gun was perched on one of the old power station relay towers, leaning against the steel structure, cradling his lever action rifle, and smoking a cigarette. Sullivan, on the ground, saw her coming and jogged out to meet her, stopping at a respectful distance.
5: Ma'am, I wouldn't recommend going in there. Why not? She's been on a rampage for days, didn't say a word to the rest of us. We beelined it right here, hit the place two days ago. Since then, she's been doing god knows what to the raiders who were left alive. I think the screaming stopped yesterday.
1: (coughs) Valeria heard a cough and looked up at the other mercenary Lilith recruited. Bitter was his name. He was staring off to the horizon, trying to appear disinterested. But when he took another drag on his cigarette, she could see that his fingers were trembling.
4: Out of my way, Sullivan.
1: Valeria brushed him aside and walked into the former raider encampment. Beyond the smell of ash and embers, the air was tinged with a stench of blood and the beginnings of decay. Sullivan watched her disappear into the smoking buildings, unsure of whether or not she'd be coming out. The Bloody Gulls had spent a considerable amount of time building up this small camp. There were several workbenches, a rudimentary bar, and sleeping quarters, all of which had been thoroughly ransacked or suffered various degrees of damage during the brief fight. There were also chems scattered throughout. Reports had confirmed that the Blood Eagles ensured loyalty through the thorough indoctrination with copious amounts of chems. Loyalty to the gang, if not the actual leadership. It reminded her of the stories her parents told her about the Somnus Project. they created nearly perfect operatives from the residents of Appalachia, able to blend in and perform clandestine activities. It wasn't without its faults, however. The programming worked almost too well, such as the time where an operative returned to Sugar Grove after stumbling upon a local bear Though the bear was killed, the operative suffered grievous injuries, but was nearly oblivious to the pain caused by them. This and other reports had been recovered from files in the DIA database, but MODIS was still working on the decryption necessary to get to the actual project itself. The methods the Blood Eagles used meant fighting them was difficult. They felt little in the way of pain and could sustain significant injuries and keep going. It was this, along with their widespread influence on the region, which had led Valeria to do a singular conclusion. The new enclave needed to eliminate the gang as a cohesive force in Appalachia. Valeria kept walking through the destroyed camp. When she arrived at the main structure, it was heavily damaged, no doubt the results of Lilith's direct handiwork. Although Valeria didn't hear anything, she was sure Lilith was inside, both from intuition and the smell of roasting flesh and decay coming from inside. The wood door was barely hanging on its hinges, and it creaked when she opened it. There was a small fire in the center of the room, which barely lit the interior. The walls looked splotched. Which she could only include was a result of arterial spray. In the far corner, she could see a stack of bodies, blood eagles, and by the looks of them, they died in a variety of horrible ways. Lilith? She never saw it coming, and Valeria found herself flung across the room, crashing into the wall and shaking the unstable building. Dazed, she was picked up and thrown again against the opposite wall, collapsing as a heap on the floor. What? Valeria tried to get back on her feet only to receive a kick to the ribs that turned her on her back, leaving her gasping for breath. Looking up, Valeria saw Lilith standing over her, fists clenched, and her visage twisted with rage. Before Valeria could speak, Lilith reached down and put her hands around her neck, lifting Valeria off her feet and slamming her against the wall. Lilith put just enough pressure on Val's neck to hurt, without causing permanent damage. Yet.
3: If you ever pull a gun on me again, I will kill you, and it will be painful and will take a very long time.
1: Valeria winced as Lila tightened her fingers around her throat, cutting off her ability to breathe. There was nothing but blackness in Lilla's eyes and a rage that Valeria had never seen before. She didn't have long, and she had to make this count. Deliberately, Valeria grabbed Lilla's forearms and squeezed as tightly as she could, digging her nails into the skin... <sighs> As Lilith grimaced in pain, Valeria brought her legs up and braced them against the wall for leverage, then headbutted her friend <sighs> as hard as she could. Lilith grunted in pain and started to fall backwards, dropping Valeria to the floor. Lilith shook her head to try to get the ringing to stop, while she coughed and spat out a glob of blood onto the floor. She bawled her fist and snarled, ready to charge again.
4: You should have let me kill them! <laughs> Stow that crap, Lilith. I know you're mad. Furious, even, but I won't let you jeopardize everything we've done here. Don't you ever make me pull a gun on you again, because the next shot won't be a warning. She was bluffing. I don't care. And if she wasn't? It at least would have been a fun way to go. Fun? I'm not sure how being vaporized into a glowing cloud of complete failure would be considered fun. Fuck you, Val.
3: I've been doing a whole lot of nothing and just when I'm about to have some fun,
4: you take it away from me. It's not fair. You have a solid chance of killing me if you really want to, Lilith, and vice versa. And maybe that would be fun for you either way, for a few minutes. But if we go that route, Lil, I can't give you the good news.
1: Lilith perked up and wiped the bloody drool from her lips.
4: What good news? We found someone, the last member of your team and I think you're really going to like him. After that, I'm turning you loose. The blood eagles are far too dangerous to remain unchecked. I need you to eviscerate them, literally, if you want. Find their leadership and kill them, and anyone else that gets in your way. (laughs) I've had Modus download the details onto your Pip-Boy. If you're quick, you'll be able to intercept the prospect in the mire. He appears to be gunning for the blood eagles as much as we are, And based on Modus's surveillance, I think he'll fit right in.
1: Lilith had already nearly forgotten why she'd been so mad before and couldn't wait to get started when Valeria interrupted her reverie.
3: But... No, 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 no. blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear it.
4: But you have to leave the Overseer alone. You have to leave her associates alone. I hear one report, one rumor, even one word that I can lay at your feet regarding the Overseer... You aren't coming back. But Val... No. That's an order. You know I don't give many, not to you, but this sticks. This is a die-on-the-hill issue, Lil. And it's something that maybe only one or neither of us walk away from if it comes to that.
1: To emphasize the point, Valeria rubbed the side of her neck, which only a short time ago had Lilith's hands around it.
4: Just be patient. It won't be today or tomorrow, but someday soon we'll settle all business including the overseer i promise
1: lola's mood tended to jump from one emotion to the next as evidenced by her now picking up valeria in a bear hug and spinning her around the room
4: okay okay please put me down before i get sick val i'm
3: sorry i was so mad these raiders they broke so easily and i was still so mad I wouldn't have really hurt you, I think.
1: Well, Harry aside, because dealing with Lilith was still like dealing with a force of nature.
4: Don't plan on coming back to the bunker for a while. You have the location of the safe houses and access to enough weapons and explosives to get the job done. Sullivan will be sending us weekly reports, and he'll also let us know when it's done. Lilith well, nodded. And one more thing. We found a place for you to start. An asset who we believe will have first-hand intelligence on the Blood Eagles. We just intercepted a transmission from the Blood Eagles talking about someone named Beckett. They're currently holding him at the old Rollins work camp. Once you have your full team, I recommend getting your hands on him and see what he knows. From there, what happens, happens. Understand? Gotcha, Val.
1: Valeria reached down and found her glasses and cap. The glasses were a total loss, but she put the cap back on as Lilith did a little dance around the room. She was due at Big Ben Tunnel in a few days to escort Eugenie to the Nuka-Cola plant for the first shipment of the vaccine to Crater, and Valeria didn't want to be late. Lila couldn't help but giggle, thinking about all the fun she was about to have. When she called up the details on this new prospect on her Pip-Boy, even she was intrigued by what she read.
3: A monk? In power armor? Oh, this is going to be so much fun.
1: As Valeria left the ruined encampment, Bitter, now in the ground, cursed under his breath, dropped his cigarette and crushed it beneath his boot. Sullivan came over and patted him on his shoulder before extending an open hand. Damn it! Bitter cursed again, reaching into his pouch for the bag of a hundred caps before dropping it into Sullivan's hand.
5: Ah, told you so.
1: Well, shit!
0: I should have known that this was a sucker's bet. <laughs> I can't believe she walked out of there alive. <laughs>
5: You think the boss is dangerous? That's the boss's boss, and I suspect that things are going to get even more interesting around here.
1: Better watch the woman walk away, leaving him with even more questions, yet no answers. I expected excitement. I guess I really need to start being careful what I wish for. There was a (laughs) high-pitched laugh behind them. Turning around, they could see the boss, or Freya as she insisted they call her, skipping towards them, whistling an old show tune.
3: Boys... Is it our lucky day, or what? We have a new job, and oh, is it going to be exciting?
1: Both men looked at her, then back to each other, and then they both thought the exact same thing. Now what?
3: Hey, I'm FireRider and I'm the host of the Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games, from major characters who define the course of a game's storyline to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices and discover the real world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts.
1: The mire always gave bitter the creeps, even in the middle of the day... Under the canopy infested with strangler vines, the long shadows and gloom made for tough going. You never knew when an angler, yaguai, or other creature would suddenly lunge out at you, with no warning and hardly any time to get your weapons raised. He and the others had been stalking through the forests and swamps for the last several days. The boss was real cagey on what they were supposed to be doing. Of course, it didn't pay to ask too many questions, but heading into the mire was no joke, and he at least wanted to get some idea of what he was getting himself into. Sullivan, the other member of the team, didn't say much. But he and bitter finally bonded over a game of poker turns out they were fairly good cheaters and they spent most of the night attempting to out cheat the other bitter suspected that there was more to him than he let on but at the end of the day he wasn't getting paid to be nosy he was getting paid to get the job done whatever that job happened to be the boss finally told him that they'd need one more addition to the team and she'd gotten a lead on a likely candidate but it would be a long trip into the swamps she would scout ahead while sullivan took up the rear Bitter worked the flanks and kept to the tree lines, covering the others with his lever action. Along the way, they found a couple of burnt-up Blood Eagle encampments. They were pretty much the only people crazy or stupid enough to make their homes in the mire, but in this case, something pretty nasty had gotten to them first. Freya had let them go through everything with a fine-tooth comb, but she was looking for something specific. The first camp had been pretty much flattened, burned, and the bodies torn apart by the local fauna. There might have been some tracks heading south, but they were hard to make out and even harder to follow. At the second camp, the embers were still smoldering, and they found many of the bodies suffering from signs of torture before they died. One who looked like the boss had been tied to a tree, and was missing his arms below the elbows, his legs below the knees, and each limb, finger, and toes neatly stacked beneath him. Upon closer inspection, he was also missing his teeth, tongue, and even had his tonsils removed with a set of pliers, which they found on the ground next to the severed limbs. Freya walked up to the body, dipped her finger in the blood dripping from its face, and tasted it.
3: Well, hasn't been dead too long. Looks like we're on the right track. Quite a piece of work too. very clinical.
5: From what I can tell, someone came through here in power armor. Looks like T-45, too. Came in the direction of that other camp we saw, so might be the same person.
1: Bitter looked around the camp. At least a dozen blood eagles had been here, and now they were all dead. Torn apart with surgical precision. You mean that one person did this? no doubt. Freya was gnawing on a bone, deep in thought.
3: Hey, Bitter, pull out that map. I want to check something.
1: Bitter unfolded their rough map of the area and set it on the ground. The thick canopy made it difficult to keep up to date as to all of the new and changed locations since the war, so it was covered in penciled-in marks, circles, and X's. Freya knelt in front of the map and traced her finger down their track. She reached into her pouch and pulled out a small notebook. She flipped through the yellowed pages and looked back down at the map before settling on a fairly nondescript location, a bit south of where they were currently.
3: Sullivan, those tracks go south, don't they?
1: Yeah, how did you know?
3: Cause I think I know where we're headed next. Do one last sweep of the area, and then we get back on the trail.
1: Bitter and Sullivan made themselves scarce, going back to the raider stash piles and seeing if there was anything else of value they might have missed, while Freya pulled out her carving knife. Bitter learned early on to avoid being around the boss and what she considered fresh meat. After finding little of value in the camp, the three loaded up and headed back south, bypassing the Thunder Mountain nuclear plant, which is known to be infested with all kinds of nasty creatures. As much as Freya loved to play, she also knew it was now not the time for a diversion from their current mission.
5: Boss, we got company.
1: Freya turned to look behind, but in the mire, you'd be lucky to see more than a hundred yards.
3: Who's joining the party?
5: Blood eagles. Looks like a gang of them following our tracks and not being too subtle
1: about it either. The boss mulled things over. Well, it would have been a ton of fun, and she was still hungry. She thought of a better idea.
3: Let's see if they really are tracking us. Or someone else. We're still on that other track, right? Sure, but what- Nah, just listen.
1: The Blood Eagles came down the track, two by two, led by one of their best scouts The claw had finally gotten wind of what was going down in the mire and sent a war party to take care of it someone or something in the mire had been hunting them torturing and killing them and they weren't going to let that continue they'd already made one pass up to the top of the mire leaving behind a few camps for resupply and now they'd come back to find two of them completely cleared out and all their men dead it had gotten all of their blood up and they'd found new tracks to follow when they found the second set of tracks different from the first but heading in the same direction. It just meant more targets and victims for them. The whole group moved south, even as the scout cautioned that they should take it slow. He didn't like the look of things, but the boss told him to shut his mouth and just get them to their target. As they moved, the track started getting harder and harder to follow. The original set was crystal clear, at least to the scout, but the others slowly faded until nothing was left to see. He stopped by a ragged tree and peered into the inky blackness. He cursed silently to himself, because the boss had refused to let him bring his night vision goggles saying they wouldn't be needed and were too costly to replace if he lost them. He hated this so much. He joined up with the Blood Eagles after his last job went south, and Meg threw him out of Crater. At that point, this had been his only option. He also knew that Roxy probably put a price on his head anyway, so at least the Eagles kept the Hunters at bay. Well, he thought he still had a set of tracks, and it didn't pay to keep the boss waiting. The entire group filed past the tree, never bothering to look up. Freya, Sullivan, and Bitter watched them all head down the path totally oblivious. Why didn't we just blast them?
3: Because I want to see where they're going and what happens.
1: Freya was still hungry and even she had a hard time keeping herself from tearing into the eagles, but they had bigger fish to fry. After the last blood eagle disappeared over the next ridge, the three dropped silently down from the tree and stalked after their prey. The blood eagle spent the next hour skirting a lake before coming on a large warehouse rising out of the mist. The track led directly into the interior, but something felt off to the scout. The entire area had gone dead silent. He couldn't even know the crickets anymore, and it gave him the creeps. The scout tried to explain to the boss, but he just shoved the scout aside and let his gang inside, weapons at the ready. The scout reluctantly followed. The first screams quickly followed. Ray and team had double tined it down the path after they heard the distant sounds of a firefight and several explosions. As they crested the final ridge, they could see several small fires illuminating the parking lot of the large warehouse. A couple of cars had exploded, showering the area with debris. Holy shit. Worse, a series of high-pitched screams still emanated from the building, shattering the silence and darkness of the mire. Just as one scream ended, another took its place. It sounded like a veritable chorus of horror. Freya just smiled. It was music to her ears and confirmed to her, at least, that they were in exactly the right place. She led her men stealthily to the edge of the parking lot, careful to stay out of the light of the fires, hugging the shadows. The screams continued from inside, but from this distance, they couldn't see any movement or indications of what was happening. Bitter looked down and saw a wide blood trail starting where they stood and leading directly to the loading dock. There also appeared to be long scratches in the parking lot asphalt, and when Bitter knelt down to better examine them, He saw broken fingernails and chunks of flesh embedded in the scratched pavement, like someone had been dragged and then tried to stop themselves.
3: Cover the exterior. Let me know if you see… anything at all.
1: Where the hell are you going?
3: Hell, maybe.
1: (laughs) Pitter didn't even know how to respond to that, so he merely nodded and started to circle the building while Sullivan did the same on the other side. Freya crept closer to the loading dock, even as the other high-pitched screams started and was cut off as quickly. She unsheathed her combat knife and raised her pistol, but her hope was that they wouldn't be needed. Reaching the side of the building, she tried to glance inside, but again was met only by darkness. Needing to get a better vantage point, she climbed up the fire escape to the roof. The building appeared to be in decent shape, but she tread carefully to avoid falling through any of the weak spots. Freya spotted a dim light coming from a skylight on the far side of the building, so that's where she headed. When she got to the skylight, she saw that it was already partially open, the screams, for the most part, had ceased, with only racking sobs breaking the silence now. She looked down from to the side warehouse space, which appeared to already be covered in blood from floor up to the ceiling. Bodies, raider bodies, appeared to be scattered across the floor, the entire scene illuminated by a small lantern. As her eyes grew accustomed to the light, she saw a large figure in some kind of retrofitted power armor kneeling in front of a tied-up blood eagle. Whoever it was seemed to be whispering something she couldn't quite make out, while the blood eagle was sobbing. <laughs> Suddenly, the person stood up, reached down, and yanked the Blood Eagle's arm right out of its socket, spraying blood across the room and bringing a frightful scream from the victim. Freya smiled, watching the scene unfold. As the Blood Eagle bled out, screams getting weaker and weaker, the power armor user threw the arm into a growing pile and walked over to the other side of the room. The Blood Eagle scout lay tied up and gagged in the corner. He'd been knocked out by something almost as soon as he entered the warehouse. When he woke up, he found he'd been tied up with a few of the other gang members. Then this guy in power armor showed up and started interrogating each of them, pulling them into the center of the room and removing appendages by hand, starting with their fingers and toes and working their way up through their bodies. He kept asking about the blood eagle leadership, asking about the eye, the blood, and the claw, where they were, what they looked like, and how to get to them. The questions went on and on, and if he didn't like the answers, it meant another finger gone, then the hand. And when old Chuck got smart with him, He took Chuck's head in the power armor fist and crushed it like a moot fruit, spraying gore and brains everywhere. Now the scout was the last, and the figure kicked the previous bloody-go-body to the floor and replaced him with the scout in the bloody chair. The scout got his first real look at their torturer. The entire left side of his face was covered in old burn scars, leaving his visage twisted, framed by a set of near-jet-black eyes, and a mouth seemingly turned into a permanent sneer. His hair was mostly gray, with a streak of black or dark brown down the side. The scout tried to speak through his gag, but the torturer, who Freyr was now ready to call the Inquisitor, held a finger to his lips and shushed. He reached down and took the blood eagle by the wrist, applying more and more pressure through his power armor fist until the bone shattered. The scout's eyes went wide and he screamed into the dirty cloth muzzle.
5: Now that we've got the formalities out of the way, I'm going to ask you some questions. Your associates were far from forthcoming. Not that it would have saved them, of course but it could have been so much less messy.
1: Freya watched eagerly from the skylight. This is what she had come to see, and she was happy that her information had been correct. It was a small catwalk right below the skylight, and she wanted to get a better look at the proceedings. Removing the gag, the Inquisitor took the scout's other hand and gently squeezed the thumb. You can scream, of course. And you probably want to. But the longer you refuse to answer my questions, the harder this gets. The scout was sobbing as his wrist was on fire, the nerve shooting bolts of pure agony directly into his brain. He barely noticed the pressure on his thumb, or the fact that it was turning purple, but he soon would. Who
5: is the blood? Where is the blood? Who is the eye? Where is the eye? Who is the claw? Where is the claw?
1: With each repetition, the pressure grew and grew until the thumb exploded in blood, gore, and bone, and the scout screamed and screamed. Freya had settled onto the catwalk watching with rapt attention. This Inquisitor went from finger to finger, knuckle to knuckle, always asking the same question in the same measured tone. The Blood Eagle was babbling, the words pouring out so fast that even Freya missed most of what was said. She watched as the Inquisitor took a board from next to him, a vicious-looking weapon with a spike driven through one end, and used it to clinically break both of the scouts' arms at the elbows before driving the spike into both knees. The screams reverberated through the warehouse, and Freya was as giddy as a schoolgirl, watching what she considered to be a master at work. It appeared as though the Inquisitor was wrapping up. He put down the board and wrapped his fists around the bloody girl's head and bowed. To Freya it sounded like some kind of incantation or prayer. Then he squeezed his hands together and smashed the Scout's skull like popping a water balloon. She couldn't control herself. She leapt to her feet to give a standing ovation, breaking the silence with her clapping. The Inquisitor barely moved at the sound, but instead finished his short litany before letting the dead raider sink to the floor, blood and brains drooping from his hands. You're not one of those heretics, are you?
3: Of course not. I have been looking for you, though, but not for the same reasons as these heathens.
5: And who are you? I am on the All-Fathers Crusade, and I have no time for childish games.
3: I suspect our goals align, and I'm merely here to make you an offer. But first, I must compliment you. It is the rare occasion where I find myself enraptured by such brutal, yet exquisite technique. Without a
1: word in response, he picked up a rag from the floor and started cleaning the gore from his power armor.
3: What do you call yourself, if we are to have proper introductions?
5: I am called Malgus by those who follow the Allfather.
3: And I am called Freya.
1: Freya smiled, because of all the folks in Appalachia, she was probably the only other person who would make sense of the reference.
5: This was foretold. The Allfather said he would send his messenger to help guide my travels and complete his crusade. Your name is known to us,
1: and we have heard your deeds. Freya dropped down from the catwalk.
5: Boss, you still alive in there?
3: Oh yeah, just dandy. We'll be out in five. Find a camp spot. We will have a guest.
1: She walked directly up to Malgus, who towered above her in his power armor.
3: Your crusade is our crusade. Join us.
5: The Allfather has closed the doors to Valhalla to me until I have cleansed Appalachia of heretics and monsters. These blood eagles violate our temple. And in my failure to prevent the desecration, I was sent here after them as my penance.
1: Malgus reached down and picked up his spike board with one hand extended the other to Freya. They clasped wrists and, without a word, sealed their mutual contract. Bitter was still covering the warehouse entrance, and after the last set of screams, the whole area had once again settled into silence. He heard the comms between the boss and Sullivan. So they were expecting a guest now? After the last half hour, he wasn't sure he wanted to see whatever came out of that place. A dim light began emanating from the interior, growing brighter as it approached the entrance. Through his scope, he finally spotted the boss, walking next to a giant figure in power armor. He could barely make out the other details from this distance, but appeared that the person was wearing some kind of mask. It wasn't until they got closer that he saw that it wasn't just his face, horribly disfigured by scars and burns. Um, boss?
3: Bitter, please meet Malgus, he'll be joining us.
1: Uh, yeah. Pleased to meet you, I guess. Malgus just glared at him. His spike board in one hand and Gatling plasma in the other.
3: He's the strong, silent type, bidder. Don't worry, though. He'll more than carry his weight.
1: Boss,
5: where to now?
3: We go south. We got an appointment with someone named Beckett. Then the fun really begins...
1: Thank you again, members, for joining us here on The Modus Files. If you've enjoyed this content, please subscribe, and better yet, please leave a review to help others find our little Enclave. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Modus Files, for more information about our podcast, Fallout 76 content, and random musings on The Enclave. I'd also like to thank our cast, Pandora Beatrix as Colonel Valeria Faustina, Lucy Middleton as Major Lilith Alastair and Freya, General Sniper as Lieutenant Travis, Ryan Negrin as Day, Wendy Novosinski as the Overseer, Monty Wildhorn as New Enclave Scientist, Kim Young as Private Sullivan, Mark Hawsworth as Bitter, Hammered as Malgus, and Brad Williams as the Voice of Modus. And a shout out to the Apocalyptic Aristocracy Discord, home to a great group of fellow creators, the Robots Radio podcast community and the rest of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, and Jeremiah Johnson, our favorite character artist, who provided the wonderful character artwork you can find on our website. Lastly, thank you to all of our subscribers and supporters. God bless the Enclave, and God bless America.
0: Members, we look forward to your next visit to our little Enclave.